Hello, this is the Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Chaos has erupted in Mumbai with multiple bombings and armed gunmen rampaging through the city. Cast your mind back to 2008 and the Mumbai terrorist attack. The horrors of that night have been dramatised for the big screen in Hotel Mumbai. All he ever talked about was you. I'm the one who didn't run away. And Bill Nye is back on screen in fantasy drama Sometimes Always Never. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Kyron Wheatley and I've seen heaps of movies, but neither of those. Luckily, Vari McIntyre and Michael Campbell hello. both have. Now, we have a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass to give away, as always, but first... Apparently there's been a big shooting at the CST station. Madam, this is the Taj Hotel. You're very safe here. Security, can we get security now? Hotel Mumbai, starring Dev Patel, tells the story of the 2008 terrorist attacks. And perhaps surprisingly, it was shot in South Australia at Adelaide Studios, which is fantastic news for the 30 or so cast and crew who also worked with Patel on Lion. So the question, is Adelaide a convincing Mumbai? <laughs> it, to the point where when this film ended, and I, I hadn't previously known that, when the credit came up filmed on location in South Australia, I turned to the person next to me and it was like, no way. That's how convincing it is. Amazing. Up front, I need to just exclaim, this movie devastated me. Absolutely devastated me. As you hinted at, it's the true story of the Taj Hotel terrorist attacks in 2008. And it's kind of an intertwining story of a couple of characters that are all in the hotel scrambling to survive. But it is a harrowing, harrowing event. I have never cried so much in a movie before. This really affected me. You have to be emotionally prepared for this, bring a box of tissues. I was crying hours later. I just burst into tears at the train station later Yeah, because I was still thinking about it. And yet we saw it so long ago. I want to see it again kind of because I loved the emotion that it brought even though it was tears or just where – Waterproof mascara this time. And I think that sometimes on this podcast, I unfairly, I'll bash Australian films a little bit because their standard isn't always that great. And this is an Australian Indian co-production, but it was filmed here and a lot of the financing came from here. And this is a fantastic, fantastic Australian film. It is so well crafted and directed and paced uh, and I, I, don't, I don't want to turn people off by saying it's harrowing. It is, but it's also such an important and brilliant movie that I would encourage everyone to go see it over the age of you know, 15, 16, obviously. You don't want to take kids to this because it is – I'm at a loss for words. My mind was melted by this movie. I mean, they filmed it in South Australia. It's all the internal shots of the hotel because that's where 90% of the action happens. But they did go to Mumbai for the yeah. outside shots. <laughs> yeah. Don't think that they just went around Adelaide and were like, mm, this is Mumbai. Um, <laughs> what I, I learned a lot from this as well because I had sort of maybe have heard of the terrorist attacks in 2008 but it wasn't really in my consciousness. Welcome to the Taj. Home to statesmen and celebrities for over a century. Wow. Remember always, here at the Taj. Thank you. We hope you'll have a good stay. Guest is God. Oh, look Where's at my that. Little boy? That's That's amazing. Boy. There's a whole other room back here. Let's move. Look, I don't think you understand. There's been an attack and we're not safe. The realism 
in this. They don't explain a lot. They just drop you into it and they're like, yep, this is what happened and you just see it from then on. That's a good point. This movie does not hold your hand in kind of any aspect. It expects you to be, you know, intelligent enough to work out what is happening and intelligent enough for them not to shy away from some of the more horrific things that that kind of happened. I don't remember a movie in recent history that my knuckles were just so white Mm. from having them clenched so tightly. It's just really pulse-pounding Proper, proper filmmaking. What do you mean by that? As in, you know, films are supposed to like evoke emotion out of you. If you watch a film and go, oh, yeah, that was fine, like whatever, it may have entertained you but it didn't make you feel anything. But I felt genuinely tense and my my heart was palpitating throughout the majority of this movie and that is what proper art is supposed to do. Yeah. So it's not a Wednesday night date film then? No, I think Vari said it properly. Be prepared for this film before you go in. What really affected me as well is that they used a large portion of the dialogue was taken from original transcripts that they intercepted mobile phone calls during the siege. And so a lot of the dialogue is actual people talking and they use actual TV footage as well. So it really brings that realism to it. It's almost like a like a docudrama in the mm. same way that, that – uh, um uh, some of Pete Berg's films like Deepwater Horizon, they do something similar. It's based on a true story and they'll use actual – archive footage from that event to intercut with Mm. the real life thing to get it as as true as possible. Well, there have been a few other films made about this incident. There was an actual documentary film from 2009. There was a 2013 Bollywood film. But I think this is the first English feature about it. And it's it's hard to talk about this film, I guess, without talking about how good Dev Patel is. Mm. So he plays, he's like a hotel, he's like a porter, I guess. He, He kind of, you know, he assists guests where they are needed. The emotional range that this guy has to go through in, in a single movie from being very uh, affable and likable at the beginning to get you on his side to just uh, like the absolute depth of fear and then bravery and he is so good and everyone's known how good he is for a while with movies like Lion and this just goes to show that he is probably one of the best young actors like working today. What I really liked was the relationship between there's sort of a side story to that as well. There's kind of this these dual characters we see. And Dev Patel spent so much time in Australia lately. That's true. It's like he's found his little niche, which is these Australian Indian co-productions, and he's mm. just going to ride that wave into yeah. critical acclaim. <laughs> yeah. I really liked Nazanin Boniardi. She's been in Homeland. Jason Isaacs, who plays Lucius Malfoy yes. from the Harry Potter series, and Army Hammer as yeah. well. Those three characters really have this interesting relationship as well and that made me cry so many times. <laughs> Jason Isaacs in particular, you start the movie hating him and you end the movie kind of loving him. He turns from kind of a real broad strokes kind of almost villainous guy. He's disrespectful to his date at the beginning of the movie. He's a bit uh, abrasive to the staff and you're like, I don't like this guy. But you see that genuinely he is a good person and to get that storyline through everything that's happening and the fact that they don't lose any of the moments mm. and you, they get you there is so good. And you're right, Army Hammer as a, as a father trying to get back to his, his wife and child that are in another room. Again, I mean, he's been in, in so many things lately, Call Me By Your Name, On the Basis of Sex, but this is probably the most like uh, downtrodden Army Hammer I've seen in a while. Yeah, I think that's what the film really does with all of its characters as well. You start out having a certain view on all of them and a certain perception and it completely changes by the end, for better or worse. Sometimes in these movies you do lose 
those personal stories. When they're telling such massive stories, you know, you lose those personal connection moments, which, you know, is what cinema is so good at. How does this film go navigating that? Smartly what it does is it, it is a film about that. It is a film about the people in the hotel, not the people that are in charge of the attack of the hotel. It's a constant threat of the movie, obviously, but you're not spending every moment following these people doing hideous things. You're, you're following these people and their will to survive. So I think just purely by making sure that the characters came first, they took that first step that you need to take in a movie like this to make it not the most depressing thing you've ever seen. Yeah, I think they just chose like two or three different storylines and yeah. that's what you focus on. And it's also like we've talked about how it's quite harrowing and whatnot and, and it is but it is also, uh, you know, it's it's a movie about spirit. It's about, you know, like the how the Indian people rally together to overcome this and it even ends on a positive note of like rebuilding and getting things back to how they used to be which I think is also something that you need to consider in a movie like this because the last thing you want to do is kick people in the stomach and then kick them out of a theatre. The real Taj Mahal Hotel was rebuilt within just a few months, I think. They were really determined to get it back up and running in spite of what had happened and say, no, that's not going to keep us down. We are going to come together and make a positive out of this. So who should see this film? I mean, hopefully we haven't turned anyone off by saying it's quite gut-wrenching. I think everyone should kind of see this film. I think it's an important event that, like you, I knew a little bit about but didn't know, you know, I, I knew the, the surface of it. It's like an iceberg. I knew a little bit at the top but it had this whole section under the water. So I think everyone should try and make an effort to go see this film. Just make sure you do bring a box of tissue. Yeah, if you liked Lion as well because I really cried in that one. It's really heartwarming but it'll punch you in the gut. Also in cinemas, Captain Marvel. The first on-screen version of Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel. And Everybody Knows. Spanish language film starring Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. You can hear about both of those by clicking on the previous episode in whatever podcast app that you're in right now. Where have you seen those words before? In a game Scrabble. Our Michael used to play them. He's not coming back, you know. What have I got to be scared of? The only thing I'm scared of is dying before I sort this out. He talked about going to meet some guy off the internet. Is he mentally enfeebled in any way? I'm only ever was. Do you want sex in my bed? Well, we weren't going to have sex in Jack's bed. I'm not Tarzan. When I think of fantasy drama, the first thing that springs to mind is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And the new film, Sometimes Always Never, fixes a key problem with that film, indeed a problem with a lot of films. It didn't star Bill Nye. I love Bill Nye. I adore him. Pride is probably one of my faves. I just think he makes great choices, save perhaps Notting Hill. Do you do you agree? Oh, yeah. I love Bill Nighy. I love all the characters he plays are pretty similar and I normally don't like when people are typecast. Other people probably don't either. Yeah, but he's such a good type. It's like the opposite for Bill Nighy. He just is all these characters anyway. <laughs> so this one, Bill Nighy plays Alan. And he's a father who's been obsessed with finding his missing son. But in doing so, he alienates his surviving now adult son. And it's a story about the father and son trying to get back together and understand who each other is now. It's part whimsical family comedy drama and part 
missing persons search, mm. which sounds like two things that kind of don't go together, which is what this film kind of is. It's a bunch of different things that you wouldn't imagine would go together. The best way I can explain it is it's like a bleaker British Wes Anderson movie yeah. where everything is slightly heightened. All the reality of everything is slightly heightened, but all the drama of everything is very much like you would expect it a straightforward drama. Yeah, which Bill Nighy is really good at. If you're going in to see a movie with him in it, you know what to expect. This is one of those quirky films. Is Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind a good reference point? It's just what I picked up from the trailer. I would say Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is more like cerebral than this is. This doesn't quite go to the like Michelle Gondry French auteur weirdness that that movie did. I mentioned it before, but I think Wes Anderson is a good touchstone for what the tone is. The humour is super dry but the art direction and almost magic realism at points, it's like a presence in the film that never overtakes anything either. So that's what I was thinking about with Eternal Sunshine. What makes the fantasy? What is the fantasy element of this film? That is a good point. It does take elements of that surrealism, but it's all in the direction. We've got very deliberate uses of this rear projection, which is this visual representation of the characters and how they're stuck in the past. So there's an example, there's a scene where the father and son are driving along in the car and we have the backdrop is animated. It's just a drawing, like a child's drawing. And that kind of threw me for a minute until I got into the feeling of this film and I was like, oh, okay, it's, yeah, it, it is really quirky and offbeat. We've also got some like captions over 70s wallpaper in between scenes. We've got some animation. It's got this this eccentricity to it for example there's a scene in which three characters sit down and play a game of scrabble and it's the most cinematic game of scrabble i've ever seen uh, ever produced in a movie like they, they've filmed it in a way i've never seen scrabble filmed before how many times have you seen scrabble filmed well th- i guess that's <laughs> almost the point it ne- i guess it never has been because it's such a a boring internal game to see on screen but they've found this way to kind of represent it uh cinematically but also they don't really dwell on it either. They're just like, yeah, that was it. And then the movie just moves on to something completely different. Not much is really made of it. It's those little moments like that. We like, geez, that was a bit odd for a second, but now it's, it's moved on already. Yeah. The running theme of this is Scrabble. It, the writer directors of this film was based on a short story that they'd wrote called Triple Word Score. So it's got this running theme of the game of Scrabble. The reason the sun runs away is because they were arguing over whether this word zo is admissible in a game of Scrabble. So he runs away never to be seen again and so the father, Bill Nighy, becomes obsessed with learning Scrabble. He's like the black belt and he, in this weird interlude scene, hustles a guy out of like 200 pounds over a game of Scrabble. That's what I'm talking about where like part of that is very dramatic and that drives the film but then they will represent it in a way that you're just not quite expecting. The quirkiness of this really kind of caught me off guard at first, but within about 15 minutes I loved every time it did it. It kind of diverges into these weird fantastical sequences of Scrabble games or small animations and things like that, and every time it did I was all on board. Now you mentioned the screenwriter. So this was written by Frank Cottrell Boyce who he's a pretty prominent British screenwriter and he probably most famously wrote a movie called A Cock and Bull Story, which was a Steve Coogan, very meta movie about filmmaking that becomes a documentary and a film about the documentary. And it's very much in that ilk of it's, it kind of wraps around itself so many times that it becomes meta and then it becomes serious and then it becomes this and that. And he's very good at balancing all of those. He also did Goodbye, Christopher Robin. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
I always say the only good thing about jazz is that it scores very highly in Scrabble. <laughs> you don't fancy making this a bit more interesting, do you? Roger, a wager. What? Most chicks. An indentured Russian peasant. I knew I'd heard it before. You hustled him. Didn't hustle him. I smashed him. We'll talk a lot about Bill Nye. Who else is in this film that we should know about? Well, being the father and son duo of this film, the son is played by Sam Riley, who I know from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> Good film. He was in a film about the band Joy Division called Control as well. I love that film. He's kind of like a quite an underrated actor. He's always mm. he normally plays a very downtrodden, serious kind of a guy. Uh, his first movie was called Brighton Rock in which he played this like psychopath that couldn't get it all together. So it was actually really weird seeing him with a little bit of levity, but he he nails it because he is a downtrodden character right. just in this weird whimsical world. So who should see this film? There's some specific English humour and cultural trivia that would probably appeal to a more older audience or a British audience. It also reminded me of the movie The Girl in the Cafe from 2005. Kelly MacDonald and Bill Nighy had this really offbeat sort of quirky dark comedy as well. So if you like that sort of pacing and that mood. Yeah and in fact if you've enjoyed this trajectory that Bill Nighy's taken in the last like five years of doing these kind of smaller slightly weirder films Mm. this is probably the most weird he's got in a long time but it's very much of that ilk. For your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, go to Facebook or Instagram and leave a comment on the Cinema Crew post answering the question... Well, since Hotel Mumbai was based on true events, what other uh, historical events should have a movie made about it? Go and do that and you could win. Next week, The Lego Movie had a surprising twist which really elevated that film for me. Well beyond a children's flick. Can the sequel do the same? In new film, Fighting With My Family, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson plays, and this must have been a stretch... He plays a wrestler. And it didn't happen, but everyone was talking Oscars for Nicole Kidman's Destroyer. We can decide if she was snubbed or not next week. Anyway, until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Vari. Thanks. I'm Kyron Wheatley, and we'll see you, or at the very least, you'll hear us next week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.